Turner. And Seth. And we got another drummer, Seth. Yet another in our long list of drummers. And this one is Isaac Teal from Talk, T-A-U-K, Talk Band, out of, uh, named after Montauk, little town up north. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Look at you, Mr. Knowledge. Yeah, I've always dug... Uh, talk radio. I've always dug the band Talk. Uh, and, oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Isaac does take a lot of the attention because he's a wonderful and dynamic drummer. But it was the time with Talking McGee at the Variety Playhouse one late night that he also sang and that he really, like, they, they really locked in hard with Jake and, you know, from Humphreys, excuse me, this interview is another one of the ones we conducted backstage at Humphreys New Year's Run 2019 Tabernacle, mm-hmm. by the way. I will, say, was- I, will say, I will say before you move on that it's very interesting about Isaac and his singing, and that's something that you really brought out in that inter- this interview, and hopefully people walk away with, but he does really have a great voice, and... He's not a singer in talk, because talk doesn't really talk that much, really. And I uh, am such, so fond of his voice, having listened to it in research, that if you listen to the interview, I get a little, even a little dicky about him not singing with talk, but he set me straight. He set well, me straight. Well, then, then on Jam Cruise, he sat in with so many, and he sang. So, I guess, you know. Well, it's hard. Well, he listened to the interview. But. All right, all right. Hey, but you know, Rob, we are a part of the... Osiris. Yes, Osiris Podcast Network, and by now, hopefully, you're aware of this already grown community of <laughs> music and culture podcasts, folks. And I think now we're at the point where you know who we are, and you're all supportive, and we're growing. Now you've got to be appreciative that you get it for free, and you've got to be mindful of the sponsors and the people who support this. Tell them, Rob. So that we can bring it to you for free, and those are people like the Kushko Holdings Company. Because, folks, we're in a revolutionary time. Marijuana's legal in some states. <coughs> And I tell you, we're going to need packaging. And we're going to need packaging that's creative, but that also can stay within state guidelines. Because you want to protect the children, Rob. Especially with the children, because if there's... Also the dogs. If there's... Nah, whatever, they'll get over it. If there's one thing that's going to make marijuana illegal again, it's if too many children get their hands on it. And that's why we need companies like Kushko, who who are not only creative with the packaging, but very, very strict about... adhering to what themselves are strict guidelines in each state so that these companies, dispensaries, and everybody can count on them. And that's the big thing. Not just innovative packaging for joints, but making sure that they can't get in the hands of the little kiddies. Let's face it, folks. Marijuana is not for the children. Kushko Holdings is made up of Kush Supply Company, which is pretty much the arm of which we speak, the packaging and all that. But to demonstrate that this is a strong company. To demonstrate the, how good this product is, I'm going to have Rob on air try to open a bottle. Let's Rob, do that. let's go ahead and let's do that do right that. now, yeah, please. Okay. All right. Oh, See, folks, this ah! is... <laughs> We're telling you, it's proof in the pudding. I don't know if it's childproof, but it's definitely idiot-proof. <laughs> The company's names are Kush Supply Company. That's who we speak of. Kush Energy. They make hydrocarbons for solvents and gases. Colato Innovations. That's their... Colato Innovations. Excuse me. That's their research arm. And then they have a design sort of agency called the Hybrid Collect Creative. Why do we tell you this? Big company. Strong company. Company that so many other different companies rely on and that you want to go. Wait, hold on. Are you saying... has his hand up. Are you saying, Rob, they're so big that they're on the stock market? Yes, K-S-H-B. As in bud. You know, there's people are making so much money on weed now, folks. Invest and invest in a strong, reliable company. That is Kushko, Kushko Holdings. KushSupplyCo.com slash podcast to find more. KushSupplyCo.com slash 
podcast. Seth, Pelay and Clark. Ah, let's not forget. It's what month is it? Are we in February? Not quite. We're just we're, we're just, in February, dude. What do you we're mean past we're not the quite in February? We are in February. We're well, almost I in I was March. thinking April. For some reason, I had it in my mind. You're well, don't wait till April. Don't be like Rob and wait till April and get screwed. Call Polay today and get Polayed. Polay Clark, P-O-L-A-Y-C-L-A-R-K.com. We're going to tell you every time, fine accounting, fine individuals. They have the brains to do your accounting right and the heart to tell you what you need to know for your long-term interests. And they understand the entertainment industry. And athlete, they're getting more and more athletes because I'm told more professional athletes are starting to listen to the show. So if any of you guys or gals, you know, are, are looking for a finance person, it's Polay Clark. Look it up, Atlanta, Georgia. And thank you for listening. Um, and now, maybe, maybe we'll talk about the Super Bowl, how Bill Belichick intentionally made it boring to get back in the NFL. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we have Isaac Teal. Seth is glaring at me. Well, please, you know, Rob, you're not listening to Sports Radio with Rob Turner, which you had the opportunity to create your sports radio podcast, but apparently all there's you can do is sit around and try to open a jar of Kush. No, there's too many sports podcasts. I think I'd be a great guest on one, or there's one sports broadcaster in particular. I'd be, sports broadcast? There's one. What is that? That, that sounds like that's in, in our day and age, you know, Ryan Adams. I'm just saying you've you got to be careful with what you say when you're talking about broadcasting. Oh, wait, you meant. Never mind. Sorry. I went the wrong way there. Yeah. So that makes me sad. So maybe this is a good time to move on to a sad. Uh, maybe. Uh, I was up. What, what? It was Friday night. It was Friday. And I think I was working on this episode. That's exactly what I was doing. And I get a text from a friend of mine who's out on a cruise that, hey, I think there's bad news about Kofi. And I, and I said, what? And he said, look at his Wikipedia page. And the first sentence was in the past tense. That's weird, though, that that's. That Wikipedia is updated. That's and so just... I was thinking that it was an accident and that the whole thing was a rumor because of it. But apparently when Tedeschi Trucks Band played the Warner Theater that night, that Susan said something at the end, and then it got out on text. Everybody started you know, looking up and saying, getting panicked. And yes, we lost Kofi Burbridge, a wonderful piano and um, flute, flute and player. human just, being. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful human person. being. I've known him for 20-something years. And yeah. Always. He's one of those, he was one of those people that you just pick up where you left off. And he was a kind person. You know, Rob, you mentioned people that are in the industry that... It can be hit and miss. That, well, you mentioned people in the industry that some will engage all as if an, at an equal playing field, equal level, whereas others will look past the person in front of them to talk to the person behind them of more importance. Kofi was one of the people uh, that would, would give everyone When you were talking respect. with him, he was engaged with you 100%. Just a real good, good guy. Yeah. You know, we never got to interview him. And then that night as I was looking up, and, and I talked to him about, I talked to him once about doing it at a time when we were really riffing. And by the way, I, I kind of knew him, but I don't think he would yeah, remember my remember name. Do you remember when we were at Lockin in, what, four years, three years ago? And we were, we were backstage, Susan and uh, the Tedeschi Trucks bands were playing, and we bumped into Kofi. It was right after we, ta- right after we interviewed... Um, Stanton? No. Uh, um, Kuroda? Kuroda, yeah. And right after that, we, we bumped into him, and he just, we chatted. You, you were there. We chatted yeah, with him for like just, a half hour that night. He's so easy to talk to. Um, should I tell the Christmas story? Oh my gosh, yeah, you might, you, you should. So I got invited to... Um, uh, four years ago, yeah? Yeah, four or five years ago to a friend of mine's house. They, they had Kofi coming over. And, and Kofi, who probably wouldn't remember my name, always remember my face. Well, remembered your girth. <laughs> yeah, I do too, sadly. 
Seems like a lot of the women in Atlanta do too. I'm still single, Seth. But anyway, <laughs> it's hard to forget when it's right there. Um, yeah, so we get invited over and this woman who's hosting it, kind of a notorious person in the scene here, she um, sets the parameters that just don't don't talk about music with them. He, you know, he doesn't want to... This is the kind of thing you hear about bands saying a lot. You're someone who works for a band when you go backstage. Don't talk about music. And in that, actually, in that case, it can often make sense because they're kind of at work then. You know what I mean? So oh, like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, you don't want to go backstage at Humphreys and start talking about their own set list. Their own, you don't want to like... The guys played so great. Right. You don't want to do... You don't want to like oh k- Chris Farley mode. You know oh what I mean? Oh, my God. Remember that time at the Canopy Club? And Division, as you played for like 48 minutes. No, you don't want to do that. So, but when you're in a social setting at Christmas, I don't know. It was, seemed kind of weird to me, but I was gonna, I was gonna honor it. You know what I mean? But he gets there, and within ten minutes, he's bringing up music. Within ten minutes, probably the first ten seconds, knowing Cove. I mean, we talked about Miles Coltrane. We talked about rock. We talked about all kinds of different stuff. He's Kofi grew up in D.C. He grew up, of course, a music lover with a great, cool young brother who he turned into a music lover. His name's O'Teal. He's doing well, except for being having lost his hero anyway so as the night went on Kofi keeps bringing up music and then I get scolded by the hostess and it was just weird and it you could tell Kofi was was getting weirded out and then at one point the couple is in the kitchen and Kofi leans over to me and this other person and says why can't we talk about music <laughs> and it really it occurred to me that it wasn't that Kofi didn't want to talk about music. It was that this woman hosting it doesn't know a thing about music and didn't want the conversation to be something she couldn't contribute to. And we ended up talking about other stuff, politics and other stuff, that she couldn't contribute to that either. So she should have just... Well, whatever. The point being, Kofi, sweet guy. Wonderful man. I'm going to play... Uh, I'm going to put on my on Facebook. Maybe I'll put it through WTNS as well. There was a time when I was in college. Wow. Uh, must have been 98... I think it was 1998. Uh, Home Park Fest was here in Atlanta. Oh. And, and sector, that was Sector 9. Like, I went to that. That's after 98 then. Cause it I was 98, 99. It wasn't 2000 yet. So my point is... It's right after I moved here in 99. So it was right before I moved here. And I came up with uh, my college roommate. And he's like, yeah, we got to go see Sector 9. And we went. We, it was like a college you know, party with kegs flowing in the back of someone's house. And yep. Section 9 was set up. And it was a really cool vibe. But the really th- neat thing, I'll never forget this musician coming up and like, just kind of like Rastafari right, kind of singing, yeah, all right, you know, and then, and then bust out the flute. And then just, whoa, blows my fucking mind. Like, and that's where I first met Kof. But... I had no clue, you know, what his relationship was to the Atlanta music world or anything, or, or Derek Trucks or any of that. This is, you know, but this is 98. It can was... Not, can we not gloss over that, though? Because Sector 9 is hard enough to sit in, very tight, very much have their own sound, but to sit in with him in a flute and find her space, and he yeah. did it right away. I remember right that. Away. I already knew who Kofi Were was. Were you there? Yes, I already. I just we, moved down we, here. We, we met. That's I think we, we met each other. Well, there we had too. not met each other, but yeah, I don't, yeah. I think we, 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 we must have beer. hung out there. We probably hung out there, but um, <laughs> that's hilarious. But I remember that's what struck me because I I was familiar with Kofi, but I didn't. That was the day where I was like, wow, this guy is exceptional. And then so many different. And from that day times. on, anytime yeah. I would see him backstage at a festival that I was working or something, we would sit down and we'd like have a drink, have a cup of coffee, you know, and and just. Just pick up where we left off, and 
I know that he was that way with so many others, and we lost a great one, and it's tragic because the music that... Not only the music that he made, but the music he inspired others to make. And that's the thing. You know, I don't know if you guys remember the Colonel Bruce uh, episode. I quoted my mom saying that when you cry when someone dies, that you're really more sad for someone else. And with Kofi, I cried all night, and it wasn't about me. The thing that really rocked me, and a lot of times death, it doesn't hit me right away. Actually, usually it doesn't. I Usually it's later. But with Kofi, it was right away. And it's just because I know... What was going over my head is all the faces of all these musicians that are influenced by him, especially O'Teal, his brother, who really looked up to him. That that was what was killing me, is that there were so many musicians that I adore who were just crushed, particularly Tedeschi Trucks, who you know had to go on stage one night when they knew he was about gone, I think. I don't think he passed. I think he passed while they were playing the first night in the Warner Theater. I'm not positive. But then the next night, they have to go out while they're grieving. You know, it's just... We just talked about that at the, our Jeff Coffin episode with how they what dealt Dave with Matthews had to do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, well, all right. On this note, press pause. Go turn to someone that's in your space you know, that you love. If they're not there, pick up the phone, give them a call. Don't don't neglect that moment. And think think about our friends and our music friends in Atlanta, particularly those in Tedeschi Trucks band. I, I think it's been a rough couple of years for them. God bless you guys. And now back to some talk radio, shall we? Uh, and we are going to do a Kofi, one last thing. We are going to do a Kofi tribute. We're putting it together. It's not something we're going to rush and put out now. It's, we've, we've got something a little more elaborate planned. It's going to take a few months, but we've got something cooked up. But yeah, just throw it us over to Isaac. Yeah, let's jump into Isaac. Again, paint the picture backstage tabernacle during the Humphreys McGee run, New Year's Eve run. It was uh, December, what, 29th, I think, 30th, somewhere around there. And we've got some fun stuff for the outro, some recent stuff we've seen, some tweets that really mystified me. The, the, thing, with, uh, the thing with Isaac that um, he's a very uh, outgoing individual, uh, made it super easy. When we sat down, we probably had – it was one of those nights where we were supposed to do an interview during the day, and they, got, they were running late, and then they got stuck in Atlanta traffic because of the football game that was going on, yeah, the college game that was going on. And yeah. by the, you know, so everything got pushed, 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 and we were ready to blow the interview, Rob. Let's not forget that. We were like, well, Rob was like, well, Rob, Rob, Rob. I'm like, Rob, traffic. Rob, 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 Rob. Yeah, Rob gets a little antsy. Right, but who was, Rob, who was the one who said, but when they said I we said, have to make some, Miss Humphrey's first set to do it? Rob said, I'll be the first one, to, and Rob, yeah, you Yeah, I wanted it. to get Isaac while he's here. And so Isaac sat down with us probably only to give us about 30 minutes, and we went for like an hour. Uh, a delightful individual, great Un- history. Unbridled, unbridled fella. There you go. So, look. No false modesty. He's a real dude. I like him. Without. I like him a lot. Another comment or word out of Rob's mouth. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the Isaac. <laughs>
crunch time, they forget about the ball movement that got them to the place where they're at. They try to play iso ball. They and get stars in their eyes. Bright lights, big city. Yeah, exactly. No, continue to, to play that got you to the place that you're at, you know? And that's what I would preach if I was a coach. I'm sure they do that already, but, you know. If they preach, it'd be more like, now, son, let me tell you. Oh, I grew up with that, so that's my whole deal. <laughs> We've got Isaac. I want you to know <laughs> that when you get the ball in the corner, <laughs> you're going to pass it out. Don't be selfish. <laughs> Don't do it. It's for the children. <laughs> Wu-Tang for life. Drive the lane and dish. Drive the lane and dish. <laughs> And that's exactly what we're here to talk about this afternoon. Yes, indeed. Basketball. Wait, can we still say it's this afternoon, even though it's this evening? Now? Why not? I, I mean, love it. you know. Let's what? do it. Humphreys so, is literally on stage. And literally. Rob Turner is sitting here. This is amazing. Rob never would miss an Humphreys. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. No problem. We got a chance to sit with Isaac Sinclair, Mr. Funk Nasty Teal. You know it. You know it in the building. Representing Brooklyn, <laughs> New York City every day. Who has a really excellent voice. I heard you singing right next door in the dressing room. You got to sing more. Man, I have a full-length album that I released last year. Called Gentleman's Day. Indeed. So I I do. I sing everywhere. I'm the one who mobbed you after talking McGee at Variety last year, remember? Oh, I remember. (laughs) Okay. Sorry about that. I I might have gauzed them. No worries. But I don't think I'd heard you sing before. Probably not. You know, I mean, in an instrumental band, that doesn't happen much. And one of the cool things, well, that's, we're going to ask about that later, but um, one of the cool things about Gentleman's Day is that some of the music goes back to your Nile versus the naysayers, right? Absolutely. Some of the same musicians that played on that record uh, are on my album. Um, for instance, Mitch Friedman on bass. Um, he's man, also a producer, right? Yes. He's a, man, that's my brother. He's so good at, at bass and producing. You know, I had to have him on the record. He's, you know, we've been in places where we haven't even played music and we, we've made the kind of eye contact that we have when we're on stage together. Yeah. So that's how you know it's a real connection. You know, I love that stuff. It's what I'm about. And some of the compositions as well go back. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Some of the old, um, for instance, Play Something, the first track on the album um, was actually recorded with a 57 microphone that's what you're holding right there in the corner <laughs> of the room exact just 157 and you know i love the, the 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 organic rustic gritty basement feel of that track so much that i was like you know what i don't even want to re-record it i kind of just want to go on top of it that's kind of interesting because that that mirrors what uh peter roan was saying about the old the recordings in the um in the house do you remember that? I don't know. It's it's just kind of interesting how that cross. Kind of, Seth loves cross genre stuff. Well, cross genre similarities, and also there's something about interviewing that's very uh, organic. Yeah. That that it's all. I'm starting to believe in a higher presence of people talk when they tell when they tell their stories. It's mm-hmm. almost like they're channeling. So a story is being channeled through them. Oh, definitely. I mean, if they relive the moments as they're telling them, so you know they get a feeling and an emotion about what happened, and you know. I'm sure if it's a good thing that, you know, it just takes over them and then their joy comes out of it. Yeah, but then you'll, like, in this interview, it'll be interesting at the end of this interview to look back and to, when we interview Chris tomorrow and, and uh, Jake and some others, there'll be some underlying theme that you all speak about that was unspoken between you all. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's just the musician code, which is sort of unwritten, that there's a love and a passion for life, number one, because you get to... Um, do what you love for a living 
not many people get to do that, you know, and so we got to be super, super thankful and gracious. I'm thankful to God every single day to be able to play drums for a living, you know, um, and I did that growing up from the age of five. Speaking of God in the church, you started? Oh yeah, definitely. I started in church. My mom actually started me playing drums. Um, she's a drummer and a organ player. And, and she's featured in the Funkumentary and you sing with her and that's what talk. Yes. And she's also on my album um, playing organ on the song called O to Nana, which is uh, a song dedicated to her mother. Is that her, her on the intro, the piano intro, or is your mother? No, that's my friend Natalie Tenenbaum, who's okay. actually, a, oh my gosh, she's such a beast. She's playing on Broadway right now. She's a beast. But my mom's playing organ in the background, and we did it at the church that I grew up in. And where was that? that um, in Staten Island, New York, called Glo uh, Glorious Church of God in Christ. And uh, I don't know how I can face another day without your guidance, your light, and your love, and all the ways you made time for me and the ones you hold dear. Indeed, man. What a great woman. Just actually just celebrated her, her birthday, her 90th birthday. Well, she passed, but she would have been 90 two days ago. But I don't want to gloss over that. Wait, two it, days ago? Two days that ago. That was your birthday. Yeah. December wow. 27th. Wow. Right on, brother. Synchronicity, man. Awesome. <laughs> but I don't want to gloss over that, though, because... Um, I think a lot of, there's a lot of parent podcasts on the Osiris, and I've been talking a lot about parenting, and, and, and a lot of times, just, it's just making time for your kids, isn't it? That's, Apparently. That's, it's everything. Honestly, um, I don't have any children of my own, but my sister does, and I, I'm, an, I'm an uncle, and I, I kick myself in the butt every time because I don't get to spend enough time with him. Um, and he has parents, you know, but I, yeah. I want to be there as an influence in his life, to, you know. But there's also the, the thing about... My, my nephew just got bar mitzvah the, for my first nephew, and everyone's giving l'chaims and speeches and this sort of thing, and uh, what came to my mind was the fact that, and I think you relate to this, when you have that first nephew, you discover this unconditional love that you just never had. I mean, you, you have it with siblings and things like that, but it's something totally different, where this kid, who maybe you see occasionally, I don't know what, you know, but for most people, it's periodic, right? Yeah. But yet, you might go six months, you might go a year, mm -hmm. but the amount of love that kid has for you that when they see you, uh, and it's and they know you through photos and through phone conversations. And stories and, and videos. And stories, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, but isn't it's that amazing? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, and, uh, you know, I love children. Actually, before I was in talk, I was a teacher for, a music teacher for third graders, and I did that for about four years, and, you know, I think that's one of the things why I don't want to have kids. <laughs> one of the reasons why I don't want to have kids. Also why you're able to be on a bus with it, a bunch of other musicians. Exactly. <laughs> have any of those kids come back around and found you? Oh my gosh. They found me through Facebook and one of my students, um, her name is Maria Perez. Um, she was a great, great drummer, great rhythm. Um, she's actually starting to play in her band. Excellent. What's her name? You remember the name? I don't remember the name of the band. We'll have to look it up. I do have to look that up because she was sending me some videos and she was wondering if I can teach her. And I was like, man, I would love to, but I'm just not around in New York enough. I'm actually moving to Denver, Colorado. Shh. Oh, I was just talking with a friend from Denver. <laughs> you, so you're definitely so under jealous. 40. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> so we also in the Funkumentary get a little window into the creative process. Oh, yeah. And while on the one hand, it sounds like you definitely had songs coming in, it mm -hmm. also, at least with Natalie at one point we see, mm -hmm. you're definitely uh, taking some input as though with talk, which is every song is that way with talk, right? Yes. Well, not every song. I think there's, there's some songs that come in that are already written, um, you know, compositionally. And I think that when we all put our hands to playing them, they become a whole different thing. And then there's songs that just 
get created while we're in the same room with each other. And we don't necessarily even have to have, you know, instruments. We could just be chilling, talking about basketball, and then somebody starts singing a lyric or, or singing a, a melody, or I could start tapping or something. I was like, hold on, that's kind of cool. One of my favorite moments, um, and I think this is how we came up with the song Collateral, um, Matt was playing drums and AC was playing keyboard in the rehearsal space that we were playing and they were just fooling around and, and, and it just sounded so epic. All I heard from the other room while watching a Nick game with Charlie was I could see how watching the Knicks would give you the blues. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. Go on. I, I had to leave just, the room, of course. A- but, you know, I, I walked in and I was like, please don't stop playing this i'm gonna put my phone on record right now we need to make this a real song and i was like this is this needs to be in some michael bay transformers something please let's do it and then you know we put our hands to it and it, it just became so epic all right i like where i like that but i want to take that to another level here yeah um i find that talking to musicians a lot of musicians have that idea hey this song this could really go well in a movie etc how do you relay that to management? Is management ta- is do you have management that's actually taking that on and trying to get you guys publishing? Yes, we do. Um, but I think it takes a vision, um, and it mainly comes from the band. And you know, not just saying, "Okay, that that sounds great. Let's let's make it. Let's put it in the movie." No, let's be. Let's have some details with that. Let's 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 see what the legwork is. Let's talk to some music supervisors, music licensors who know what's good for certain films and certain commercials or apps or you know full length movies. Um, there's a lot of legwork that comes into that, which I'm actually trying to dive into more myself. Um, but it's a, it's a difficult process. It's not just as easy as saying let's just put that in a movie and then it's done. No, it's not. A, it's not an easy process. However, at your stage of your career, it's something that might take five to ten more years to get. But once True. you get it, you're going to keep getting it it's in a, a paycheck. Putting, exactly. You know? and that, exactly. That's what's going to save musicians in the long term. Exactly. Um, actually, one of my songs on Gentleman's Day. Um, down that road got featured in a comedy central show called um the detroiters oh yeah i remember i remember dr detroit that was a good movie but i haven't seen the detroiters yet. i don't know that D- that's uh, detroit. dan Aykroyd. oh okay in the 80s yeah, yeah. Huh. shout out comedy central the detroiters i'll look out for that yeah man i think it's episode eight i believe um it was briefly briefly used not even the lyrics just the music in the background which was kind of cool um i've been working with the licensing company and and just trying to you know plug away and get the residual man mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to sit on a couch and make a check a lot of drummers <laughs> don't write that's good you're writing well i i you gotta I, push yourself that's true that's true and I, and and that's one thing i, I want to continue to do um even if i stop playing music um Live, I would love to, you know, if I had a day job that worked from nine to five and I was in a studio just making music for various outlets, I'd be just as happy. I wouldn't say just as happy, but I'd be really, really content with that. Oh, there's a funny line in Rockumentary. What did you say? Um, I should be writing songs and I'm stocking shelves or something like oh, that. Oh, man. Yeah. When I was working at Payless Shoes. shoes yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, man. I'll never forget that moment ever in my life. But because you probably that's when you made the choice. That's when the light bulb hit me. And I was and I told my mom and my dad, I was like, listen, I know you guys want me to be responsible and have a job, but I cannot do this. This is killing my soul. When I just heard music, I mean, besides the crappy music that they played in there, I heard music, you know, putting those shoes in the shelves. I heard it 
as I put the box in there. I heard it as I put the shoe in the box. He was listening to Stomp the whole time. <laughs> By Kirk Franklin? Yeah. <laughs> what thought- people say. You didn't mean Kirk Franklin, did you? meant the play. I'm calling you out. That's funny. I actually auditioned for Stomp, and they declined me. Why? I don't know. His feet were too small? They, I know. My feet are kind of small for a man. Well, you do you have a present Air Jordans on. I'm impressed by that. Listen, man, I got to stay fresh out here. Even people with tiny feet can be present these days. That's it's true. It's a good thing. <laughs> it's not about the size Sometimes. of the foot. It's about the size of the shoe. Sometimes a great notion. Or the size of the sock. Oh, the, I, the socks are an amazing subject matter, though, because really, you never go wrong on a sock. <laughs> Even kid socks work for like half your foot. They like turn into small socks. Half, yeah. of, my, half of mine got holes in them. Yeah, I try to keep the sock game pretty popping. This is an, uh, a random artist. Um, I'm trying to think of the name. Those are nice. I'm, I, I'm all about, you oh, know. Oh, I like those. Dude, those everything's cool. styling about you, even but, your socks. Listen, I'm wearing yoga pants. Come on now. Oh, I thought that styling. was like, I thought so that was chic. Fans, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> look at me. Put on their on their rider, you know, it's like so- socks, especially in the summer tour. Oh, yeah. Socks. But I wonder, do you guys now take that to another level and say, yes, socks, but not the whiteies. We want, uh, you know, stylish socks. I mean, I'm about all kind of socks that, but I'm not really into ankle socks. Unless I'm wearing some tennis sneakers that require them, but if it, if it's in the summer, I'm just going to throw them on. No yeah, socks. Yeah, I, I like I like a, a small shoe, but the long socks. Yeah, I'm down for the tubes all day. Oh, I already told you my future uh, con- contribution to your, catalog, to your clothing catalog. <laughs> and what is that? A Kyrie Irving T-shirt. <laughs> I'll take it, man. You just got to wear it on stage in Boston. That's fine. I'll get so much props for that. <laughs> I'll take it. Getting back to talk. Yes. <laughs> So, like, the second song tonight, uh, is that Convoy? Yes. Has that Jeff Beck kind of central rhythm? Oh, see, I never really even heard that. But then but, you stretched on it a little bit tonight, did you not? Yeah, we usually do that uh, live a little bit just to give it a little, you know, improvisation. I don't even know how to say that right now. Improvisation. Exactly. But you know, you guys do improvise, but you generally know. Oh, yeah, we know where we're going. And I think, you know, there's, what's beautiful about us is that we have that, that nod communication. <laughs> Just give each other a quick nod. It's like, we know we're going. Uber subtle nonverbal communication. Exactly. Exactly.
But are you in this in the mind uh, at all that maybe someday you'd go off the map with it, full ensemble? Let's see where it takes us. Oh yeah, I mean, when we're in that moment where we know that we don't know what's happening, that's probably one of my favorite moments on stage, or just playing with it those life. guys anyway. When yeah. you know you don't know, but you know you when don't know. When you know you don't know, it's a beautiful moment because it's, it's. My mom always told me when you're not expecting something, that's when a blessing will hit you in your face. Speaking of which, now do you source your own improvisation for riffs around which to frame songs? I mean. Yes and no. I absolutely love hip hop music. Yes, and I I think <laughs> I don't think you should be shy about working that into the sound. I think you you guys would help with the unique. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of songs that I reference, um, especially with a lot of different beats and grooves. Um, because you don't just hold a music. groove; you you phrase things. I notice uh, there's a lot of phrasing in your playing. I mean, what I tell my students is, what do you want to say? Not just play. You don't want to just be the background drummer holding down. I mean, yes, you do, but you got to make a statement and not just a, a play out and play all over everything. What are you saying? And I, I love rhythms and, and, and patterns. There's a lot of patterns. You know, if, if Matt plays something, I want to play that 5, 10, 15 bars from now and be like, ha. Oh, Bring it back. Okay, you can hold you can hold that into your memory. Keep things going, and then do a callback. Exactly. That's sweet. And Kendrick with "To Pimp a Butterfly" has oh shown my God. that you can incorporate that into hip hop. So doesn't something like that inspire you? That oh man, Kendrick that- doesn't even know he's a drummer. <laughs> Him, Eminem. I mean, there's a bunch of cats that I I listen to just because of their rhythms. I was listening to Eminem today, his last record, and he has a song, the first song on the record, called "The Ringer." If you get a chance to listen to it, just, I mean, what he's saying is amazing. But the rhythms, it's just like, stick it, stick it, stick it, stick it, triplets and it's paradiddles and just out. It's so out that, you know, you're like, man, I don't even care what he's saying. It doesn't matter. Do you hear the rhythms? So now can you work that into talk stuff? I mean, I would think that that would be something that would have to be your, uh, you're allowed a hand in everybody's composition, but if you want to go that adventurous, you would probably have to come in with a composition or you feel like you were stepping on. No, not at all. I think we, we do that already. Oh, Uh, is that right? You come in with something that radical. Okay. Oh yeah. Can you give an example? For sure. Um, So one of the songs that uh, I, I wrote for us was the song called CMF 9000. Which, which is, leads the new live uh, release. Yes. Which we'll talk more about later. Yes. Um, and that song, if you listen to what I made it on Ableton and what it is now as we play it, you could hear it as two different tracks. Would you be willing to share the Ableton piece with us? We can do sure, that on the podcast. Why not? Well, why not? <laughs> we'll do that sample right here. <laughs> why not? That's 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 fun. But yeah, you know, when it's and that's what I love too. You know, you can come in with something and have an idea about something and a feel and a groove and then it gets put to, you know, someone's hands and it's like, Oh shit, damn, that's kinda dope. But it was dope like that too. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, and I have no problem with it. There's no and that's the beautiful beautiful thing about the talk guys. There's no ego. There's no I want it this way because I I, I I wrote it this way. No. It's a it's a feel thing. It's everybody's hands to it. What makes a good soup is all the ingredients. And not just that, but not just for the recording, but I would guess they would be more in tend to be more invested with it as you continue playing it for years and years and years. Exactly. Because you know, you want to love it. You gotta love it. If you don't love it, people know. And they see it. 
Awesome. Now, later in the set, there was one. I was going to pull it up, but I don't want to be rude. I have your set list here. There was one song where you took it out even further, like the third from the last song of the set. Uh, Where's my... Uh, was it... Time's Up. Time's Up. Right oh, in the I love set. that song. Yeah, we have more time, Rob. What's, <laughs> what's the story oh, on Time's Up? <laughs> um, time's Up is fun. Um, that's, a, that's a composition that Charlie started, and we all put, it, put our hands to it. And uh, That song reminds me of the newer era of hip hop where it's like more trap music it's kind of triplet feel and uh i mean i i like where that's going i don't necessarily like the artists that are putting that stuff out but i like the feel of that and so it might even be an example of what you were just talking about so he came with it but you added that yeah i added the the, the little bit triplet hip-hop timbaland feel to it that made it you know it, it gives it a bounce and you know that's one of the things i love i love to see people you know give you that neck bob like this or give you the shoulder bop that's one of my favorite things to see people do what, what in response the, to the beat um, what about the uh, flosses that make you that oh make you yeah my my nephew there's yeah, a video out right now that <laughs> me and my nephew put out on the on christmas on instagram doing the floss to a super super fast song and and he just got me i couldn't do it he's nine years old i couldn't do it anymore he got me <laughs> i think we need to do one with rob doing the floss too. oh that'd be amazing he'll do the floss to like a grateful dead like, yeah. <laughs> that's I wa- amazing i was doing a nice interpretive dance during um the song after the uh where are you speaking, oh speaking man about basketball games rob used to be known where for you are the uh, jumbotron he was the oh guy. i used to really? crush yeah, i was five and oh Dude, I beat a kid once. You know how hard that is when you're in the final two against a kid. That's killing. I went, I spazzed yeah, out and spun around. I did like some of my major <laughs> wheel. Give me some of them Watchtower era dancing. But that's, <laughs> that's a, you don't even want to get into that. But you, you mentioned Charlie. That's Charlie Dolan on bass. Yes. Uh, Matt Jalbert. It's Jalbert, right? Jalbert. Jalbert is on guitar and Alric AC Carter. AC Carter. And when we had him on the show um, to uh, debut a track, remember that, Seth? Sorry, uh, there was background Shape- noise I was looking for, so I was not hearing or listening to you, Rob. Go ahead. Shapeshifter Volume 2, which uh, it's kind of, even though instrumental, it, it, there's some sound effects, and it, it is kind of, you do evoke the mood what? of the machines taking over. Well, what's interesting about the Shapeshifters is that you guys came out with that, and then Robert Walter came out with his album. Yeah, and you we both had know. the same theme. We the same know. theme. You should have yeah. just toured together. Yeah. I mean, I'm down. You know, have like uh, let's call him. Get, All right, hang on a second. Get George Takei to be the uh, let's, uh, let's MC. <laughs> let's give him a call. Uh, but anyways, uh, Checkmate was the song that jumped out at me, and and I remember saying to myself, uh, "This is the one that'll blow up live." What are you doing? Come on, hey, Robert Walter. All right, you want, you want to talk to him? Yeah, I'll say what up. I'm just kidding. I was calling you, Rob. <laughs> so, so anyways, um, I thought. It would be one that you guys would would dive into live, mm-hmm. and you do play live. Apparently, all the set lists and the things I've seen, I never s- saw it. I requested it today on, on Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. You got to keep <laughs> in mind, though. I, but well, tell yeah, Seth yeah, about yeah. Checkmate. Well, tell be, him why be, this before is. Before you do, I want our listeners to to really understand something here. You guys being here, this is a big deal. You, Talk has a New Year's gig. Where tomorrow? You guys are like flying out. <laughs> well, yeah, we're in Virginia and uh, in Richmond, Virginia, at the Broadberry tomorrow, and then Baltimore at Soundstage on New Year's Eve. Wow. So, 
this is Atlanta. And we're in the know, Tabernacle, yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. And to, it's a support spot, which, by the way, was well attended for an eight o'clock. That yeah, was really definitely. Well I was very, very pleased with the crowd. Humphreys fans love you guys. You know that. We love them, man. But it's, we it, love them. It, you took advantage of an opportunity, not only with that, but also tonight with the the uh, with the the post uh, with the post show with mm-hmm. the members of Humphreys talking and to Guy. Yep. I just, you know, some bands would have looked at it and say, oh, it's too much. You know, we, mm-hmm. we got we got to focus on our New Year's. But you guys dipped into Atlanta and took advantage of it. I want our listeners to know that that's actually a big deal. Yeah, it's, you know, it's really fun, especially when we get the time off. And I think that's what is key and what people don't actually realize is when we get off the road from fall tour and we have family time and we get to dip into different projects and just be able to, you know, just sit on a couch, watch some basketball, chill out, harmonize with mom. Yeah, exactly. You know, those are the things that when you get back to playing with your brothers on stage, it's like, Oh, I forgot how good this feels actually. So let's just go hard. I mean, you got (laughs) one life to live. Life is too short and death is way too long to not go hard in the pain. And Rob, what were you saying then? Sorry. You were leading into well, checkmate. I, I just I love this song. Now you guys are still sinking your teeth into it. We kind of yeah. talked about it a little bit. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those songs that's uh, it's a it's a true challenge. Who brought that to the band initially? Um, and how radically did it change? Who brought checkmate? I mean, you guys just have some good coffee one day and you just no, they're having it. breakfast. They were eating checks. Oh boy! I think that might have been a song that Matt brought, but I think him and AC were working on it together, and um. It was one of those songs that we didn't actually think would make the record, which is funny, um, because it was just it was, it's really out there compared to all the other songs. I think um, it's it's definitely in that you know trip hop kind of you know drum and bass feel, which I've always loved, but never really uh, I've never played that style the way I want to play it. Um, I hear drummers play it, and I'm like, man, that's so cool how are they playing that so intricately and it's it's tight you know and i i mean i love funk and hip-hop and gospel and soul and r&b and stuff like that that's more groovy laid-back pocket stuff and rock of course but you know it could be a launching pad for improv and it would be fun to resolve back into i think definitely and and that's one of the things we uh we're trying to get into and as well as infuse the sounds from the record um into that because what actually makes that song is you know, the, the textures that um, AC and Matt got to put on.
uh, recreational outrage that we started out with today. Love the name. And uh, it's, it's... It's all the rage today. It's <laughs> Sorry, go on. I love that name. Recreational it's Outrage. It's That's Twitter. One. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those songs where it's like mad, mad, mad textures everywhere. And it starts with that... If we had our gear, which we, you know get more comfortable on your own gear ac starts that song i started it today because we you know we were a little late but uh (laughs) that goes back to my point though is that you're not with your gear you know so Mm -hmm. that's another element to yeah you know uh, but you know anytime you can get on stage and get behind something that's semi-familiar um you got to make it do what it do but so you start with that rhythm and that that definitely is a good was that a a conscious decision to start with that song thinking the Humphreys fans would no, not just necessarily. Like whatever, just not like at what all. you felt like. We, um, the way the song originally started was just everyone coming in all at the same time on the melody. And then we went into the part, which is more like a robotic march. And I was like, yo, let's start with that. That yeah, sounds it felt so Felt like you were epic. setting the scene. Yeah. yeah. When, um, when we have our gear, um, AC starts that song, and he starts it in such an envelope filter that you don't even know that it's there. It's just like... <laughs> and then he turns the filter on. And he puts this weird sound on it. And so with that, I'm, I'm able to, you know, throw some thunder sounds on there, some, some crash sounds on there for, with my electronic drum pad and get a little more weird, which is nice. So, you know, that, that's, that's another one of those songs that's like, man, we could take it somewhere completely different every single time we play it, you know? Cool. Well, we got to talk about the new release, which is available at nugs.net for free. Real yeah, yeah. talk. Go get that. Real Talk Volume 1. Um, is it Volume 1? Yes, mm-hmm. and it's chosen by the band. <laughs> Have you, would you think about having Volume 2 be chosen by the fans? I wouldn't mind that at all. I would love to hear what they choose. And you could submit your uh, request to insideoutwtns at gmail.com. <laughs> yes. Maybe we'll even produce it for you. Yeah, why not? That sounds great. But only a couple songs from each shapeshifter, right? One from shapeshifter one and two from shapeshifter two. Right. Are the others from the other? I, I didn't even cross index or any. How much are, are un, unreleased tracks? Um, not many unreleased tracks. They're uh, they're they're just from different albums. Uh, I know we have some from Collisions, and we have some some from uh, Sir Nebula, which is one of my favorite records that we put out. Um, so it's just. But it's I'm, important to point out the versions all from November, I think. Yeah. So this much. is fresh. Talk, fresh talk, talk from Fall Tour 2018. You know, we record every show, and so you, you know, release it all on Nugs. Not all of it. We try to do the best of, and uh, you know, just put it out there. You know, that kind of led to my next question: Is is that how, is this how you're going to release live music moving forward? We, you know, I think we try to be innovative when it comes to that because the music industry is in a weird place right now. You know, hell yeah, you can't really buy music. Nobody's buying music. You're just buying subscriptions. Got to make your money touring. Exactly, which is, you know, very rigorous, <laughs> to say the least, you know. So I think we, wa- we want to be in a place where we're, we're innovative when we think about how to release music. Um, it's, it's interesting to think about that because we're trying to think about what's the new wave, what's the new thing. CDs are done. You know, vinyl's still great because, you know, it's, it's nostalgic. And you, you have the artwork and all that stuff. Um, but, I mean, 
what's the way to go and what's the next step now? Is it is it USB drives? Is it flash cards with you know download card um, downloads on them? Who knows? Is it something you in, ingest into your body? Like who knows what it's gonna be? So we try to be up on the new new. Well, I like Snar- Snarky Puppy. One of their ways of cutting through the instrumental thing was they do these intimate gatherings and make it like a YouTube event. Oh, yeah. And they're careful who they bring, real music fans, Definitely. so that people see the music. They see people listening to it, reacting to it. Oh, yeah. That might be a fun thing for you guys to do. I think so, too. I, I mean, I've always had a – even uh, if we do it during the show, I've always had this dream of wanting to set up on the ground right in GA and have the crowd on stage. Hmm crowd always wants to be on stage <laughs> <laughs> that's well, that's a good vip kind of meet and greet gig kind why of why not that's give also it to a michael franti show <laughs> you know what you could heckle them too oh my gosh i you love could, those guys they're great you could yell stuff at the fans exactly you know? and i mean i'm always trying to make it switch it up man let's switch it up let's 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 do something different you know everybody puts on a show on a stage also let's, motley does a nice thing where they actually bring the kids up on the stage oh that's cool oh and when i first started with seeing and motley they would end their shows literally coming in into the crowd oh and really? that's cool. i don't think they do it anymore well yeah. they do it during the kids show yeah, they do it during the kids show yeah, yeah. Hmm. you um, think about doing a kids show we did one kids show with alo and in, in, in the bay area i think it was this year last year well it depends what people are listening so let's just say last year yeah true baby but talk it was fun i mean we oh, walked that's in good. really that's it, good it was like babies are us when we walked in they were sound checking but they were also sound checking while the kids were you know having some kind of raging party so it was you know screaming lebo's uh, kids. kids birthday <laughs> yeah screaming kids with balloons and and nerf guns and all the stuff and i'm just like wow i really entered a, a zone here <laughs> But it was fun because the kids, they reacted almost like their parents do to the music, which yeah. is great to see, especially for young, young kids who are, you know, get lost in YouTube and lost in video games, video games and lost in the rectangle party. Right. Well, I can get lost in that. I mean, yeah, we all do. <laughs> we all do. Triangle parties are good, too. Hey, <laughs> so what's, my tequila. what's going on in 2018 by the time we release this 2019 uh, 2019 yeah see welcome to the future yeah we got how many days left uh t-minus two, two days but about uh really one day uh, about 30 so hours of driving for you oh my or are you God. flying no Any? we're flying to virginia thank oh, the good lord good um and we flew in this morning we're on we're running on fumes we didn't get any sleep last night we uh ended our show with the motet in albany oh nice um at uh well we got out of there around like 2 30 and our flight was at 6 a.m to get here today so you know we slept in the lobby napped in the in the, in the lobby of the hotel because you know our rooms weren't ready uh, and then you guys when you guys showed up here i was sleeping <laughs> Oh my yeah, gosh, well, that's perfect! Yeah. I know. Seth was crash in the I back cried. of the talk of the. I was so jealous. <laughs> no, but yeah, you walked in. I felt like my father. I'm like, oh, 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 hey, oh, hey, 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 so, hey! What newspaper? Hey, I didn't drink it. You mentioned the motet, Dave Watts. You're moving to Colorado. Are you going to be part of his birthday? Hey, hold on. What about? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. His birthday thing is in a couple weeks. Dave Watts. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not going to be a part of that. Uh, that sounds great, though. I'm. A, I'm really super, super excited to get to Denver because it's one of those upcoming places where music is on the rise. Yeah, and I think people don't they they don't take music for granted there. Um, growing up in New York City and playing in music in New York City, um, it just feels like it's everybody. I don't know. I've always said this thing: like the women in New York City date men like they could find their husbands in the same room. 
Mm. And that's how people in New York see music. They're on their phones. They're trying to figure out what's the next spot. Where are we going? The front row. I mean, I've I've seen Brooklyn Bowl, all of the front row in Brooklyn Bowl on their phones. And they're not videoing. They're texting. That's not. People in Colorado, they don't do that. I mean, they probably no, do. But I haven't to know where their phone is. I haven't. <laughs> Possibly, but they're 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 also enjoying the music, which I truly truly appreciate. It's one of those places that I would love to play every single day. So well, you are going to play every single day there. I mean, look, look, you're, what, I, I'm I'm just thinking about the fact that like any given night on an off night, you're there. Jeff Franca's there. Dave Watts there. <laughs> uh-huh. Jeremy Sulkin's there. Oh yeah. I mean, it goes I got some on other names up. too. Lyle from the Motet. Let's talk I was Paris just talking Fleming. Drummers. That's oh, you're talking about well, Dyche. Adam Dyche, Dyche is yeah, there. Dyche, exactly. My homeboys there. Uh, there's I mean, a bunch Jesus. of cats that just. I actually found out that Derek Hodge, bass player for Robert Glasper, lives in Denver. Robert Glasper, you're always raving about Robert Glasper. Oh, I'm, I love Robert Glasper. He's the one you came back from Jam Cruise. We're freaking out about. Oh that yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. He's a beast. He's amazing. He's He'll be on Jam Cruise this year, and you're going to be on Jam Cruise is this he? year. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's probably going to come back with Carl. Dude, set them up in the Jam Room together. I, actually, I'm I'm doing the Jam Room on the last night of the boat, hosting it. So I'm really pumped about that, yeah. especially with the band that I got put together. Whew. Oh, That'd be nice. yeah. <laughs> Can you give us a hand? Oh, I want to keep it a secret, but keep I mean, well, this will be aired after. There's a couple of people in there. I got, uh, I got Lyle from the Motet. I got Garrett from the Motet on bass. Uh, I have a host of singers because mm-hmm. I grew up in gospel music. I, I choir is what I was the director for the men's choir at 16 years old. And there are some singers on board this year. I mean, there are some singers. I don't know if you guys know about Southern Avenue. Oh yeah, yeah, they were, oh, yeah, they were just here last night. Wonderful. Those girls could sing. Yeah, it's uh, so funny because she's, she's so going to be doing uh, the Jam Cruise wedding. She's going to play drums on that one. Oh, and, and that's amazing! And she's she also going to play drums with me too, which is going to be great. And we interviewed the lead singer in front of a live audience at Sweetwater, and I was telling the crowd, she's this little demure, soft-spoken woman. Oh yeah, but she gets up and she's got uh, Aretha inside her. She uh, owns the room. Speaking of which, she did rock steady last night. Oh, uh, killed it! I would Absolutely love killed to hear it. that. But on Jam Cruise, I don't know if you know this, Rob, but Talk is going to be doing coffee talk. Yeah. Have you guys put any thought to that? <laughs> yeah, we put some thought to it. You're very nice. I need my oat milk to have coffee, so um, that's a New York pretentious thing. Dry well, if you want it, oat If you want to be on it, just give us a call, 555 We'll talk. Exactly. Uh, yes. But we'll, talk, we'll, we'll, we'll chat about that after, because Rob hates when I talk about Jam Cruise on the show. <laughs> so did Shapeshifter scare you at some point when you listen to the final thing, where you're like, wow, we're really... We're really pointing at our own future here it it really i mean i have such an uh, imaginative mind um one of my f- favorite things and one of my favorite stories to talk about uh, with talk is when i first came into the band and how i actually was learning the music um i would turn down the sound of my favorite movies and put the talk song on so i could visually see it so i would i would watch crouching tiger hidden dragon the Matrix, True Lies, with talk in the background of it. So when I get on stage and I couldn't remember, I see the scene in my head, close my eyes, see the scene, and then I hear the music. So I, I, when, I when I saw, I mean, I named the first, la- the last album, Sir Nebula, I named that one. And then this one, no one named, it just came. And the theme kind of just emerged it too, just, right? It just became a thing. And I was like, man, this is, this is some space universal type shit, man. It was just something on all your heads. It goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the interview. 
Well, you know, we go with our our producer Robert Carranza, who is literally the fifth member in the band. He and is, who, and who was worked with Mars Volta, everybody. Yes, oh. yes, and has done a plethora of things, Grammy award winning. You know, he's done soundtracks for you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, Three Hundred, all that stuff. He's amazing. His ideas. Um, once we get to talking with him, you know, our ideas just blossom to these great, great things, and I think. Um, just bouncing things off the wall with him, you know, allows us to, you know, take it out. And, you know, one of those places we took it to was, you know, to outer space, I feel. Space, space. space. If it were up to you, would you sing more and talk? No. You just want it to be a separate thing? Um, Resting the vocal cords for your next career? No, I, <laughs> I, I have my own band when I'm in New York. And True. It's, it's, it's different. I can't sing and play drums at 100% at the same time. It's really difficult. Not the way I want to. Um, I like to sing falsetto, and it's 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 hard to do that because you know we're crushing on stage with talk. So I can't get up there and go. I can't do that. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's it's really difficult. So I'd be I'd be at a you know either sixty forty or fifty fifty on both, and I don't want to be on fifty. I'm not half stepping. So what happens though as your career continues and you get more called in different directions? Um. I think, you know, it just takes planning. I'm a huge planner. Um, I like to be, you know, a year, six months ahead of time with everything. Um, so I think all it just takes is some planning and communication is key. So what do you have planned for the next six months, a year? That- I actually have a tour of my own music coming up right before Jam Cruise in Florida. I'm playing Florida. Florida. <laughs> um, you guys know about Electric Kiff? They, uh, they're back in band for Roosevelt. Oh, um, Collier? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I know the band. Speaking of Snarky that. Puppy, uh, Michael re- produced him. Yeah. Um, Michael League. So you'll be hitting St. Pete then? You'll be hitting. No, actually. No I'm Pete. Miami, West Palm, and <sighs> Jupiter. Three dates just to, you know, get my feet wet, get the music out there. And the funny thing is, I have an, I'm writing a, a news a record um, that I'm probably going to release in 2019, and it's going to be called Under the Covers. All covers, I and you're like writing that. it now, and I'm writing it right now, <laughs> <laughs> sitting I, right here. <laughs> that was one of my. Uh, it's funny you say this. Jam Cruise, one of the years I, I suggested let's do under the covers and have these artists do exactly that. So mm-hmm. we'll share some similar ideas there. I like it. I, I you know I think people. I mean, I, I love covers. I love when people take the covers and then make them their own. Yes. Um, I don't know if you guys know about this artist called PJ Morton. I have definitely seen that name around. Oh, my God. This man is the new age Stevie Wonder. And I'm not joking with that. He's real Stevie Wonder. Um, He does a cover of, um, man, what's that song? Now I'm going to blank. Whatever it is. His album called The Gumbo. It's one of my favorite records. I've been bumping it all of this year, 2018. He does a song on there. It's a cover. Um... Man, I wish I could remember what it is right now, but it's so good. I just have the cup, the songs that we're going to do for Talking McGee in my head right now. So no, well, let's not confuse you. <laughs> well, let's talk about Talking yeah. McGee real quick and then yeah. let you go. But uh, who, who, whose idea? Is it everybody throwing in songs or is it generally you guys coming up with them and bouncing them off the Humphreys guys? Or I think it's all of us geeking out on what songs that we love to play or we've heard in the, in the past. And you're like, you know, that'd be really fun to do. And I feel like people would, you know, get a stupid kick out of it. Can you share the story about how this band came to fruition? 
Um, I think it sort of started with us and Umphreys touring together. We did like three straight tours, 2015, 16, I think. It's one of the first times we went out to the West Coast with them. And those guys, you know, adopted us as little brothers. Yeah, you're one of those bands where they would, I remember, I think I first heard about them from Joel saying, you got to hear talk. I mean, they've not just, they've endorsed you. Yeah, definitely. And vocally. we appreciate them, you know, forever in their debt for that. They've you know. endorsed you, but you've endorsed them. <laughs> Look at that. But let's point out, they did so because you deserve it. Though. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I mean, I I, I appreciate what they do and the professionalism that they bring to um, touring and, and performing every single day. Absolutely. In and out. Those guys are some of the hardest working, professional, awesome stand-up dudes. And, you know, this industry is not that at all. There's some great musicians, great people, great people behind the scenes. But, you know, they're not the most friendly. They're not the most approachable. They're not the most personable. And what I found about the Umphreys guys is you can talk to those guys about anything. You don't have to talk to them about music. And they will entertain you, not just entertain you, they will be relative, which is really, really nice. Um, Chris did a really funny thing for me. Um, I think it was a couple of days after Thanksgiving. He called me and was geeking out about something weird <laughs> i can't share it but it was just very very weird and i was like you know what, chris you didn't have to call me to say that you could have texted to me in, in <laughs> one one sentence but... i think he wanted to hear your reaction <laughs> i think he did too he's a sharp guy <laughs> he probably likes reaction comedy oh absolutely but it was it was great you know and he, i didn't answer the call but the funny thing is he left me a voicemail nobody does that Nobody leaves voicemails. I, I do occasionally because I like to leave funny voicemails. I do too. And then I get them, and then like years later, people send them back to me. Yeah, I like that. You know, but those, those guys, like, that's a testament to um, how awesome those guys are. Um, each one of them, from the crew down to, you know. Well, Waffle's debatable, but we'll. we'll. <laughs> you know, even he has his days. I mean, I've, I've sat down and talked to Waffle a couple times, and, you know. What people say about him is, is not necessarily always true. This is how I test to see if Waffle really listens to the podcast. <laughs> he doesn't anymore. He won't hear this. Waffle, you're a good man, bro. Does your guitar player listen? He, he won't hear me mispronounce the name, will he? Oh, no, that's right. He gets Jalbert all the time. Jalbert? Jalbert. 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 It's a France in it. And what else? Is this testing your, your three dates in Florida? You testing the waters and maybe do a more flesh yeah, out one? Definitely. I, I'm I'm always interested in, in pushing the, the envelope in terms of what I want to do with music. Um I've uh I've put together a couple of different configurations of a band in New York City where I've I've always been the drummer. And with this next coming group, I'll be playing drums, but I also have another drummer with me playing. So it's a four piece, five including me. And um we're just going to be hitting some fun stuff, man. I'm, I'm really, really excited to get out there and just to get my feet wet right before Jam Cruise. You know, after that, I go to L.A. for Nam for a little bit. Just hang out there and, and rub shoulders with some of the best musicians in the world. And um, pumped. Right after that, we bumped into a, a, a two-and-a-half-week tour of a talk. So that kind of inspiration gives me you know, ammunition. When I get back to my own kit, get back to the, you know, the comfortability of, of the guys. I'm just like, yo, let's do something different. Well, always keep in touch with us. Hit us up as in the middle of your tours, whenever, just let us know what's going on when you, when you're, Will when do. you're around, we'll take a voicemail and we'll air it. <laughs> I like that. Can we end with this? You mentioned the guys. Yeah. Can you go through all three of your bandmates mm -hmm. and something unique and that you appreciate about them as musicians each? AC Alric Carter, one of the hungriest 
people I know in all facets of the word hungry hungry in terms of never settled always wanting to be better always wanting to gain more knowledge always wanting to eat more food uh, Matt Jalbert. 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 Just raw talent. Just absolute raw, unadulterated talent. Matt takes some of the most intricate things and makes them so simple. And he'll explain it to you that way, too. Which, you know, for some people who don't understand a lot of, you know, crazy music terms and all that stuff, he'll break it down to you in a way that you're like, you know what? I think I can do this. And the person has not a touch of talent in their lives. <laughs> so, you know, I think he's just so raw talented. Um, Charlie, secret weapon. I would say Charlie is a secret weapon because he's that that thin layer of icing in the cake that you're like, what is this? This tastes so good. What is this? And you're like, what is that thin lining? I don't even know what it is. It's just... It's just good. So I think he's a secret weapon. He sneaks up on you. Oh, yeah. You know, I, and people don't really think he's doing much on stage because he's not moving that much. But you know what? Charlie's holding it down. He really is. <laughs> but it's when tough. It comes to music, it's not about looking. It's not about what you see. It's about what you hear. Well, there's, I, what I tell my, um, a lot of people is there's a difference between performing music and playing music. Yeah. Um, there's a huge performance aspect that comes into play when you're on stage and you're putting forth your best foot. That's um, your job. You know, yeah. I think that I'm just as happy where there's no one in the room. And I'm behind a kid, or there's thousands of people. Speaking of which, do you find the uh, you've been doing this over a decade now? You've got a ton of records. Mm -hmm. Do you find the more you incorporate melody is directly proportionate to the more women that end up at your shows? Ah, uh, <laughs> that's funny. I think that it's science. It's not humor. I don't think it's the melody. I think that all four of us are pretty handsome dudes. Okay. <laughs> and, and and I mean that's just continues. That's just that's just what it is. I think we're all pretty put together. I think we, you know we look good on stage, and I think that helps. And I'll never forget the time you guys played the 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 the, uh, the blind association, and you're like, oh my god, look at all those women. They're here to see us. <laughs> Hey, if you ever get ugly, just get a podcast. That's what we know. did. <laughs> That's true. You know, I've always wanted to do some voiceover stuff. I could, I have. Oh, here, give us one. Give, give us one, and then we'll end with a. Uh... I'll give you three different voices. So, <laughs> I just want to know that you know the things in the room, like John Stewart and Ween and Janelle Monet. I just. Absolutely love them. Oh my god! And then you know you're from New York, B. It's not <laughs> even one of those things. Like unity and diversity is just what it is. You know we in Atlanta and the A. You know I mean do your thing, smoke it up. And then you know you got a little bit of like I don't know, Italian maybe maybe a little Cubano. You know you gotta make your mouth do like this so you can talk like it. You know papas. We'll this bet. guy, he, there's no way he grew up in New York. A little bit. It's funny you mentioned Janelle Monet. I, I got to give Outcast a shout out because I love this story. Outcast, they finished their 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 last tour here yeah. in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Sold out the shows right away. Well, Big Boy, he's from he's from the A. Yeah, he, but you know what? They're not going to play the Super Bowl. Just saying, go on. But follow the the shows sold out. Mm -hmm. 
they still go out and get Janelle Monet and three other like kick ass openers and probably paid, you know, cutting into their profits because it was important. I, of course, as it should. But no, come on, how many actually do that? They really care about their fans. Atlanta band Outcast. I think hey, yeah. just as much as they care about their fans, they care about the quality of music that they're associated with and the experience. Exactly. So, and and that's one of the things I I would love to do more. Um, as much as I'm probably going to get stoned for saying this, but I'm not the biggest jam band fan. That's okay. Got to say that. Just I, I appreciate what bands do, um, but I grew up in in a in a gospel family and a gospel scene where the musicians that go to their church every Sunday and make ninety thousand a year getting paid play some of these musicians that I've seen. They just play them under the table. So I'm not impressed by the musicianship. I'm impressed by the longevity, which right. is which is you know something to say for it. You know, you continue to do it. Um, but and the variety, keeping it interesting on a night to night basis. Exactly. Like Humphreys effortlessly can do four nights in a row. That's Those guys can do anything and play anywhere, any kind of music. And there's very very limited bands that actually do that. Um, to name a few, Nth Power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Beastie, <laughs> love those guys. Um, Main Squeeze, Corey. Those are my boys, man. Th- those guys throw down, throw down. Um, Have you sang with Corey? Oh yeah, we with the we falsettos. Did, uh, that'd be so nice. We, like at, um, was that Bear Creek? Oh, probably. Jeez, I, I was at all the Bear Creeks. We, so we I did the know. Michael Jackson set. Oh wait, no, I was. Not or was that, that Aura? That was Aura. That was Aura. We did a Michael Jackson set. It was me and um, Jamar Woods from. Um, Wow, they're playing with us tomorrow. Why can't I? The Fritz. Oh, the Fritz. Yeah. Jamar Woods and I sang with Corey. We did all the favorite Michael tunes with Main Squeeze, and it was a blast. I played electronic drum kit, and it was perfect. I didn't even need to play real kit. It was perfect. Singing all the backgrounds and all that stuff. It was perfect. Well, well, thank you for your time. We do appreciate your time. Anything else about 2019 you want to hit us to? Yes. Look out for those tour dates. We'll be hitting everywhere. You know, all your favorite cities. We got a bunch of things planned. And let's not forget the uh, Bramowitz Bar Mitzvah you'll be doing in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Talkband.com as in Talk Montauk. Mon- like Montauk, Talkband.com. Oh, you could come up with a better story. We'll work on that. Yeah. You know, it was a thing before I was in the band, so I can't really. That's a good <laughs> cop out. Isaac, thank you. We're looking forward to more Thanks so from much you. for having guys. I appreciate yeah, thanks it. for taking your time in the middle of this hectic week. Oh, it's all right. I'm going to go grab a nap. <laughs> was our time with Isaac Teal backstage at the Tabernacle in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, while we're uh, giving those shout-outs there, Rob, to the interview that just happened, I want to thank Spencer with Diamond Street. 
Diamond Street Studios is our future. We are already planning some events there, and he is putting together our episodes. Very, very good with the edits. Very swift worker. Uh, doing great work. I love his fades. Very patient as well. So thank you, Spencer. And for those of you that haven't checked out Diamond Street, please go online, check them out. They've got some really amazing artists. And thank you, Cole. Thank you, Harris. Thank you, Josh. JoshStainProductions.com. He's still with us. Still in our corner. And, um, well, Seth, we saw some shows this week together. My big one was Itzhak Perlman. You weren't at that. No, I was, I was home. Oh, my gosh. That was riveting. That was just absolutely riveting. He's, uh, he's kind of a funny guy, too. It was funny because they had a film created by the Atlanta Jewish Film Society. Atlanta Jewish Film Festival. Film Festival, yeah. Great. Get that out. And um, <laughs> Spielberg, you know, gave some... And Zubin Mehta gave Atlanta specific shout-outs. But one, nice. thing, one thing Spielberg said was he cautioned Itzhak to not tell any of his stupid jokes. So I felt... I, feel, I guess I'm like the Spielberg of this show. Oh, I would have liked to connect with them. Well, they weren't there. They were just... No, I know Spielberg would have been. I'm talking about Itzhak. Yeah, I thought about it, but we had to go somewhere. I don't know. I, I have heard that he'll greet people. If he has bad jokes, we would have, him and I would have yeah. been like family. Been and nice. I would have been running for the hills. But um, And the hills, we started, uh, I uh, had a very romantic Valentine's Day with uh, my date, Rob Turner, at J-Rad. Yeah, it was cool, especially like Ruben and Sharice and throwing stones. By the way, people were disappointed when O'Teal wasn't on the bill. And I'll tell you what, Dave Drywitz crushed it all night long. He I really had no did. problem seeing And I see more O'Teal than I do Dave. It's great. I don't get to see. I only see Ween once in a while. Dave Drywitz is a wonderful bass player. And he's very melodic on that, too. Yes, and he was aggressive at points. My favorite part is when they, like Ruben and Sharice, the Dead only did it like four times. Really the best versions in that were the Jerry Band. But when the Dead did them, it was exciting, but it was nostalgic. When they got to the jam at the end, for the most part, they kind of just played through the keys, and Vince would do some stuff and all that. Uh, these guys, they got to that part and immediately went right off, but not in such a way that wasn't Grateful Dead-like, but it was in a way that was completely fresh. And the same with Throwing Stones when they got to the jam. They took mm. it off in a completely different direction. It was great. They did a couple ballads that were good. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was strong. You know, there were, I think there was the greatest story ever told late in the second set that was a little weak. That seemed There right. were some up and down moments through yeah. the night. There was, some, there was like, I think they were playing, well, it was the first night of the tour. They were playing a little slow at times. Yeah, a but little the slow stuff was good. Candyman and Roses some, were good. Some, some, but some of the stuff, though, it did lose interest on in people for a minute here or there. But speaking of people... I was impressed with the audience in the sense that, you know, like we saw Spafford, and we'll talk about that in a second. This was a 34, J-Rad was a 30, 40-somethings crowd, and it was sold out. And it was just kind of neat to, like, be at a show with, you know, 30, 40-somethings, that's all. I got to say, they went from good loving into Candyman with such adept ease. Uh, that is the, trans if you're a transition fan, good loving Candyman. First set of J-Rad in Atlanta. And by the way, Mustard and Roses to end the first set was a little... It was a really nice version, but it was, it, it was weird to end with a real slow one. You know? It wasn't a little anticlimactic. They walked off. Everybody was kind of like, whoa. Yeah. Well, that was Thursday. Friday, we found out the bad news about Kobe, and I stayed home and worked. Kobe. Saturday was my... What did I say? Kobe. I meant Co Kofi. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. It's because we just had steak. Um, it's Doc Perlman. And I was going to go see Delbert McClinton afterwards, but we ended up blowing that off. I don't know. And then Sunday was our Spafford. Yeah, Spafford who... I would say it's the first time where they weren't. They didn't come right out of the gate awesome. They did Exodus. It was pretty good. And then... They opened up with a cover, which surprised Rob. But before they yeah, even opened up, even they, let's talk about the opening band that Rob did not come to see because he's just Rob Turner working on I'm this busy. episode. So busy. 
but uh, it was uh, Bird Dog Jubilee. And Rob, they played really well. They did a band cover, which you would have appreciated. Uh, but Bird Dog's a, an Atlanta band that really... The, the, it was nice to see an Atlanta band playing, opening for Spafford in a full house, and the house getting down. Cool. They did a really great job. Nice. Bird Dog Jubilee, folks. They're they're an up and coming band, kind of like how Voodoo Visionary, Voodoo Visionary still is up and coming, but now with Madison House, congratulations, Voodoo Visionary. Uh, but bands like this, they're on their way, so keep attention. But I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed they didn't put the they didn't list the show on their website or on Dude, Twitter. Dude, I can I you know what I have five instances where they did, so I don't okay. know what you're looking. Well, that's no, good to hear. Okay. Uh, um, uh, let's see, but yeah, like I said, about halfway through the first set, Spafford really ca- kick, caught fire. The, the last song of the first set was amazing, and then the entire second set was just stellar. I thought it was great. I Although was I, I gotta be, we did. A, I decided I took a little clip, uh, about a all f- oh, right, fifteen second clip of uh, Spafford, and I asked people on my Facebook to go ahead and guess what band it is, and then I made it even more confusing. Sorry, Chrissy, uh, to, to say that it was filmed between two thousand and. Eight and 2019, so really kind of making it a little you know more challenging for people. And most people thought it was the Disco Biscuits, and and people thought it was the Disco Biscuits. People thought it was uh, Lotus. And the reality is this: if you listen to Spafford, they're going to sound like Fish. They're going to sound like the Disco Biscuits. They're going to sound like Lotus. They're going to sound like Humphreys. But they have a really good way of capturing the audience. They have a really like they really. Even though they sound like these bands, they yeah, have these I, moments. They really can get Can I add it. that while they do sound like those bands, that I don't feel they do as much as you do, though? There are, I feel that there are more, I, I feel there are more times where they sound like Spafford than you do, especially since they put out the new record. But go ahead. I respect your I just wanted to add that in there. I mean, definitely there was, there was two no, songs. I think, I think they, they sound like Spafford. And if you ask me what Spafford sounds like, Spafford sounds like the disco business. I'll right. I, I, that's I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I think you're being a little strong, but that's okay. That's cool. I think majority of the people in their 30-somes would say that. I mean, the, the jams are very tasteful. Look, they're, they're, really, no, good, they're really good at deep you know improv- you want, improvisation. They, they really wouldn't are. be growing if that many people thought that. People don't want to go see a band that sounds like other bands. But this band People want to go see a band that sounds like themselves. So if you really want to go toe-to-toe, and they sure, to some extent they do, but if, you're, if many people did, then no, they wouldn't be getting sm- slowly more and more large audiences. So I disagree. No, Sorry. No, I mean, there's, there's cover bands that sell out more tickets than some of your favorite bands that slip. Oh, I love this slip. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, if you want to go, you know, I I enjoyed Spafford. I I'm not putting them right down. There. I I and I saw that they they have they're really good at improvisation. They really are. Rob, you're, you stop touching my computer. Well, it's I'm trying to prepare for, for the next segment so we go smoothly. Why don't you just? You really gonna? Now I have to delete this. You need. You now need to delete my fucking password. All right, I'll take off that the off. Fuck. No, seriously. If you don't take it off, I'm no, gonna I kick will. your ass. And I'm just annoyed with you that you're using my computer. I shouldn't have let you touch oh, it. Oh, shut up. Be lucky you have me on shit, the fucking dude. show, you bitch. Fucking lame-ass. Jesus Christ. Small price turd. to pay to have someone else do everything for you. Why don't you fucking... Okay, oh, you want to... Uh, what are you, my wife now? Wanna re- you want to get a divorce? Thank God, no. Thank God, no. Yeah, you just like her. She didn't blow me either. I think... <laughs> I think I, under, I, can, no, go, you know, I, I can understand her more than ever, especially these moments right now. I, I'm kind of sympathetic to her. All right, you want to you resume? By the way, I don't even remember where we were. Yeah, just pick up. So Spafford, they're such an amazing band. Oh, my God. Um, Hot French bread. Actually, I think we can do it. 
Well, anyways, that's enough about Spafford. They were great. Go see them when you go to your town, and, unless you're with Seth, I guess. I don't know. Well, I, I'm the one that actually told you I liked them. Sorry I'm opinionated, but I still think they're a great band. I right. enjoyed them, right. and I thought they played well, and that they sounded a lot like bands that I really like, and that's maybe why I enjoyed them. You were also the oldest person in the building. That's not a, that's not a new thing for me. In Moon Taxi, that happens. Happens a few other bands. Anyway, do, do you want to? Should I tell my little Twitter story? Because I had uh, two. Wait, hold on. Did you get b- banned by? No, I'm not out of line. This Crosby time. again? Did Crosby ban you again? Are you no. and Crosby on good terms? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I interact with them the for the update. show account. Well, does the update Waffle saw him? Saw some, Jefferson Waffle, Jefferson Waffle, Waffle designer, 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 works for CID. Blah, 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 blah. He saw an interview. Also, the winner of our new contest. Yeah, and he's, he was mentioned in here. I think I, I don't remember. I think somebody said something about him in this interview, but um. But uh, he saw an interview with David Crosby where they brought that up, and David said... Wait, brought you being... No, just in general. Did you block people on Twitter? And he said, yeah, if anybody's looking for a fight. Which just pissed me off even more because I wasn't looking for a fight. I was answering... One of his fans was asking me about Isle of Wight, and I was answering the questions. Yeah, but you sound... See, the way you answer questions, look how I said something, and you just got in a fight with me. What, that's, You're very defensive. That's taken out. Have you thought about your defensiveness? What are you talking nature? about? That's not true. Calm down, what are you talking about? Calm down. What? You're getting a little defensive, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. All right, so here, story. the first one was, there's this uh, folk singer named Buffy St. Marie, and I, who I feel is like... Okay, hold on, folks. I, I, I got to paint the picture. Sorry, Rob's looking at his phone, so this doesn't matter that I'm interrupting him. I know. What? He's I looking at his it. phone right now, and he opened my computer. Now, what's going to happen? By the time he's done finding what he's looking for on his phone, I had my computer's going to shut off, and then he's going to go back to the computer to turn it on. He's a fucking mess. You, I, we, why are we not doing video? You look like a homeless man trying to get a freaking sardine out of a can. <laughs> Oh, no, no, I do have it pulled up. This Andrea Warner from New York uh, said, Hi, Folk Alliance and something Montreal. Buffy St. Marie and I will be in conversation at 12 p.m. in the Robbie Robertson room in support of the best-selling Buffy bio. Join us. Books for sale and signing. At the point, nobody not, hadn't gotten much love either. There was only like one like and a few things. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love Buffy St. Marie. She's amazing. She's influenced so many people. And she so- banned you? Uh, no, I oh, just, okay. I wrote in, I, I retweeted and said, Buffy's an icon on so many levels. This will probably be fantastic. Please ask her how well she knew Graham Parsons and what she thought about him covering one of her songs. And I actually put a video of the song, Buffy St. Marie, that Graham Parsons covered. It seems like promoting the event. And, and this, th- th- is that a positive thing, Seth? Did I do something wrong? You spoke, but other than that, no. Karen Rose. Karen Rose responded. She is a writer. And she is not, I've been through her profile. She's not a happy person. Um, And she chimes in saying, perhaps you could buy Andrea's book. Like, what? And I responded, perhaps you and and she could listen to my podcast and put a link. (laughs) And then she responded, we didn't show up in your feed demanding free labor for your podcast, bro. I'm really confused what's going Uh, on here. So that means my retweet to try to help promote this event, the fact that I suggested a question, Karen Rose took it me wanting it for my podcast. As if we can't get our own interviews? I'm trying to help out, you ding-dong. Take some happy pills. She knows more about Patti Smith than she does about her own nephew's wrestling competition. This woman, I, I did follow her, though, and there's some good stuff coming out of this Twitter account, though, I gotta say. And I will check I'm out like, her book. I don't know if we're... This is really turning into talk radio now. I was pissed, was, this dude. Is, this is I tried radio. to do something nice in some New York angry... <laughs> Has hey, 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 hashtag, me? hashtag, oh, hashtag, gosh, or some say pound. Oh, 
All right. What okay, else? so, so that's, 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 that's Rob's first aggressive thing. So write in what I did wrong there, folks. If I'm missing something, write in. InsideOutWTNS at gmail.com. Okay, so the night Kofi died, this was actually the first. I wanted to do a series of, of tribute tweets to him, a video in various moments. And the one that really hit me in the head right away was at Lockin. I think we talked about this on the show just oh, last just fall at Lockin. Kofi is a, a really big brand for Marsalis fan. And um, it's, it, it seemed like they surprised him, like the band arranged it with Brantford. And so that while Kofi was selling the flute, Brantford came out and Kofi, suddenly Kofi's dueling yeah, with Brantford. Okay, that's, yeah. okay? Right. So I have a little, mm-hmm, yeah. a little link to that. And I say, Kofi always loved Brantford, tagging Brantford. And at last year's Lockin Festival, tagged, Brantford seemingly surprised Kofi by appearing on Derek and Susan tagged stage, and the two of them led the band gloriously. Untagged. The, the whole thing is great, but Brantford joins around the three-minute mark. Kofi is so happy. Lovely. Brantford Marsalis chooses to respond to this. Are you serious? I'm missing something here, and I don't think I like the inference. Let's but, read my tweet again that Brantford responded to with, I don't think I like the inference. Kofi always loved Brantford Marsalis, and at last year's Lock and Festival, Brantford seemingly surprised Kofi by appearing on the Tedeschi Trucks band stage, and the two of them led the band gloriously. The whole thing is great, but Brantford joins around the three-minute mark. Kofi is so happy. Oh, I think he's saying, but. The way you said, but Brantford, it sounds like, oh, and everything was great until Brantford showed up. Why? I said the whole thing. Was great, but Brant. Let but me, he's let, still part let of me the whole thing. It, yeah, but let me read it to you the way any other human would read it. The whole thing is great, but Brantford joins in around the three minutes. That's a mark. human who's, who's, who's ignoring the whole thing is great. Never you said Bud Brantford great. joins. That means after the three-minute mark, it's no, still great. I, you're an asshole, Rob. Seriously. You, but just, you just want Brantford on the show still. I'm just saying. Don't try. He's not coming said, on the show. Well, apparently you fucked it up, Brantford. I'm sorry that my co-host is an asshole. Please. But my co-host is an asshole. He's making movie soundtracks, not jazz. Anyway, look, Brantford actually paid attention to you for the first time in 25 no, years. No, he's actually responded. It's mostly about football. I don't care. Talk to him about football. Who cares? Oh, well, that's the end of the show. Great time. I actually feel good after this. I feel good about the Saints getting screwed on that call. And uh, we're going to play better. some made, You know what? This is my closure. For you. This is my closure on the Saints You're call. You're listening to Sports Radio with Rob Angry Turner. So the Saints should have been in the Super Bowl. Well, Bill Belichick got to provide a boring Super Bowl for the NFL. Sorry, Deflategate bullshit makers and all you who believe them. 13-3, boring game. Fuck you, NFL and, and Roger uh, Goodell. We're going to close this uh, episode off with some music, yes, including... Wait, wait. I have to tell you this first thing first. CMF 9000, we talk Slow about... Slow down. We talk about... And we'll have a guy who interrupts a lot, so I have to really uh, try to get elbow in there. <laughs> CMF 9000 is a talk song. And oh, we, talk about like it. we talk about CBD. the talk song in our talk with Isaac. And uh, CMF 9000, Isaac wrote, and he mentions in the interview that he had been working on that since way back, and right. he kindly got us the Ableton, is it? Ableton, yeah. An of, MP3 off that. Like, I mean, this is like total, like... Totally never been heard. I don't even think Isaac had heard it in years. No, he did, because All it right. took him a minute to dig it up, and it literally came in right before we're recording this right now, yeah. which means the episode done. Which means I have to go buy or <laughs> bother the engineer that I got to uh, shoehorn something else in there, but he'll do it. We got a great... He, 
he's very flexible. Attitude Groove, this is called. It's from way back, as you heard in the interview, and then we'll follow it up with CMF 9000. But I'm going to say goodbye because someone you have who's been on Jam Cruise is going to announce the song that's going to lead into that. So I say goodbye, and I hand it over to... Hello, Jam Cruisers. Uh, next up on the horizon, oh, no joke there, is Talk doing Horizon off of Jam Cruise 2019, also known as Jam Cruise 17. Don't forget to pre-book for Jam Cruise 18. Arrivederci, Jam Cruise. That's why I stay home. Thank you. 
Thank you.